0: This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, if the Saints win a championship this year, which would happen in February, win a Super Bowl, does Shaq get a ring? <laughs> and it would be a big one. Yeah. Um, peacemaker Shaq uh, on a Zoom call is the report. Uh, the wild 72 hours that was the NFL from Wednesday to Thursday to Friday and uh, really had nothing to do with football at the end of the day. Uh, And when we left you on Friday, right after that, I think it was around like 6.30 or so, uh, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell making a statement and a strong one at that uh, and different uh, levels of the way that was received, criticized by some, uh, what took you so long, uh, no mention to Colin Kaepernick, too, uh, you know, applause from some players for at least saying something and uh, coming out there and doing that. So somewhere in between. Uh, the conversation continues uh, all weekend long. Well, tomorrow, Jaguars player Leonard Fournette will host a uh, peaceful protest walk uh, starting at uh, City Hall uh, in Jacksonville. That's at 10 a.m. He released details of that. He actually before the Jaguars uh, did their peaceful protest on Friday morning, Fournette also already said that he was going to do something, then kind of came out with a tweet, said, okay, we'll be this week, uh, meaning this week right now that we're in, and uh, on the weekend provided some detail that 10 a.m. Uh, tomorrow. So uh, it will remain a conversation, and uh, we will continue to discuss it uh, uh, as uh, it pertains to sports, uh, but also... Uh, we also have uh, some sports activity. NASCAR yesterday, Major League Baseball with another offer. At least sources say there are some reports. You want to go with your sources? Say what? Uh, <laughs> and the NBA uh, is on in the NBA. Now we just have to wait. Is not yeah. there a level of disappointment about that? It's like, OK, now we know exactly what the NBA is doing. But hey wait till like late july i've never anticipated nba games so much in my life right this weekend we were
1: debating the schedule and what we thought teams would what would, would yeah you're bored this, yeah <laughs> but this it was raining i couldn't even go golfing this weekend <laughs> but we were um we were talking about is how disappointing will it be if actually by the time the playoffs are supposed to start there isn't a ninth seed in an eighth seed like play in tournament that happens you know what I mean? Like, if the if the team is four games away yeah. and you don't get a, a, say, Memphis versus Portland or, or her, yeah, whatever Yeah, that it little play-in. It almost has to happen now. Or I'm going to be disappointed. Yeah, I
0: hear, hear you. You just want a little something different. And, and what I've been con- uh, curious about the whole time is what kind of procedures do they take from something like this, maybe just that, mm-hmm. and will they do that down the road in the future? Will it become part like of a the wild NBA, card, that little thing. wild card act, cool. you know, aspect to it? Uh, we'll see. The problem is, I mean, we were – you
1: know, you have this fun debate about that, and then you go, "Well, either team that goes in the eighth, they're most likely just going to lose to the Lakers in in four.
0: Yeah, and well, that's what I want to bring up today, right? Everybody says Lakers, everybody says uh, Bucks, you know, and there, you can sprinkle in some other teams, but you have about two teams, four teams, right? Two to four teams, is that fair? Yeah, I, mean, that, I, would, I would say, say that the, that the heavy money's on. Right?
2: right, I would say Lakers, Bucks, Clippers, maybe, may, Clippers, and maybe the Celtics. I mean, for, I mean, from the I wouldn't East. Even,
1: but I wouldn't even put
0: Celtics on that list. Like, so who do you have from the East, though? Nobody. Then Nobody? Just no. the Bucks. So it's the – I mean, is, is Toronto in that mix? I don't think so, right? The Bucks are such a heavy favorite in the East. I would
1: say they're heavy mm-hmm. favorite. I would say teams like, like – and it's going to sound like I'm saying a homer, but Ben Simmons is actually healthy. He wasn't going to actually play in the playoffs. Okay, but so like, they
0: would fit more in the Celtics and Toronto category. Yes, I don't think people – you are not running to Vegas – uh, or your offshore account or wherever, and putting money on any of those teams mm-hmm. if you could. I don't care. Okay. You're not. You're putting money on
2: the Bucs. Well, I'm putting money on the Bucs, but I'm just saying I'm not mad at the Celtics whatsoever. Okay, but well, that's, that's, no. that's the just the question me. today. That's though. just like, kind of
0: who is the sleeper team? And and that's just me. And, but I would still fit the Sixers and, and all the rest. Be- into sleeper mode here, Mm -hmm. I would say who's going to win outside of the Lakers, outside of the Clippers, outside of the Bucks when this thing does get going? Is there a team that's kind of laying there that's like, wait a minute now, don't sleep on them. And the Sixers might be an example because of the health, right? Because of this layoff, did they get healthier?
1: And you get two months of not having to hear essentially horrible things about your team, because they were probably one of the most disappointing teams Absolutely. this year. And, and just break. think how
0: many jump shots Ben Simmons could at least attempt in the last <laughs> couple of months. I don't know. He had he has back problems. I don't even know you know how much he was able to get done. I mean, we yes. fired him up from 35 feet yes. when they come back. Oh, man. So, from the land of good and plenty, Brett. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that is one of the topics today, a sleeper in the NBA outside of those favorites. Uh, you know, uh, I <sighs> – I'm torn on this whole – I'm a big LeBron fan. Mm -hmm. I think uh, we've said that before on the show. But I just don't know if I want to see LeBron in a Lakers uniform. I mean, would I do it for the, the story? Would I do it for, I mean, Kobe Bryant passes away this year. The Lakers win the championship in 2020. Uh, and LeBron gets another one. Just, I just don't know if well, I can do that. Well, you know what's going to happen that. then?
2: Because then it's, it's the GOAT conversation. Because that's what we like right now as a country. Yeah. Who's better? Michael Jordan, LeBron James. If LeBron James wins another one with a new team, that's going to be the narrative again. So I'm just it saying, be. buckle your seatbelts.
0: It, it's fine. It, it, it's fine. if there's conversations like mm-hmm. that, but I think right after, like, the last answer. Okay. Well, be interesting is you come out after the last answer. I think it was 73 percent, whatever poll this was. Uh, somebody did a poll, and it was pretty legitimate poll. It wasn't like I just threw it out on Twitter and, a, you know, a thousand people responded. I think it was a pretty hefty poll, and it was 73 uh, percent said Jordan was the greatest. Yeah. Now, I think a lot of people, like, uh, again, most people, I-, I thought it would even be higher. Right. Uh, And I love the conversation. I think LeBron has put himself in the talk in recent years. I, I do think the championships are so important when we discuss these things that people aren't going to dismiss six versus three or even six versus four. But because we like the most recent what have you done for me lately, if the Lakers were to win. And by October, you ask that question again. What would it go down to? See, I think. Right? What would 73% drop to? There's no right. way it would go up. If he right. wins another championship and he wins with the Lakers, and now he's won with three different teams, it will go down. You know, because then I could say, wow, they had Phil and Scotty. And if they didn't keep it together, if Jordan went somewhere else, would they have won a championship? Yeah. I'm just saying it will go from 73% to like 60%. But mm-hmm.
1: I would also say, I think when we are all said and done with LeBron's career depending on how this goes, this coronavirus season... Will be a huge arguing point against him or for him true in that because if he wins they're gonna go well yeah he had two months off of course he's gonna win he got to heal up yeah, he got yeah. a healthy team and if he loses they're gonna say well they were going in with so much momentum he lost all of that and yeah. how do
0: you expect him yeah. to yeah. How do you him restart up? the no, engine sure. when you're 35 yeah. and you played 17 yeah, but years also keep and... in mind
2: every team's going through this it's true. not just him true. so like you know to say well he had the coronavirus for his benefit well, one could say, I mean, older teams, maybe like the Spurs, and I'll, I'll, obviously Aldridge going to be out for the season now, so the Spurs probably aren't going to do anything in the playoffs, but like when you have these older teams, well, you can point the finger at them, too. Mm-hmm. I can point the finger at the Mavericks and say, well, now that Kristaps is finally getting healthy again, well, now him and Luka are probably the best one-two dynamic, you know, big man to, to guard in the whole game, maybe they have the advantage of the, of the corona. So I think every team can find a little benefit, can find a little asterisk to say, you know what, we benefit yeah. from the coronavirus, so to say LeBron James would do it, I don't think it's really
1: fair. Yeah, I agree. No, with but you. I think that'll be the argument. I mean, it I, will. Against you, or you for present any right. team, if the Bucks mm-hmm. win, I guarantee you the haters are going to be out here saying, "Well, they only won because it's yeah. the coronavirus season," and you know, vice versa for any team. Yeah, that you wins. know,
0: it's funny thing is like great athletes don't use excuses to get themselves ready, but. In hindsight they use excuses to tell the story <laughs> yeah, <sure. laughs> of how it went down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's a it's or we do it for them. You know, maybe it's not the athlete that does it, but we do it for them. And so you're right, there will be an asterisk on this season in all sports, most likely, right? I mean, uh, the NFL will say, oh, yeah, we missed that. You know, teams that don't do well, man, <laughs> did we ever miss that April, May, and June? I mean, I don't know what we're going to do without no TA practice ever again. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt, right? Uh, the Jaguars, if they fall short and, and really struggle, I'll say, man, this young team, I mean, we just got behind the eight ball. What else could we do? I, Let me ask you this, though. Is it going to be an excuse for Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell? To, it, it could be. To keep their jobs? You know what? You know, it's really fascinating discussion is how – you know, kind of like we did with Chris Conley the other day and had the discussion of him in the community, right? And and him as a voice and a veteran presence in the locker room, been around the league. Coming off a career year, by the way, too, which we didn't mention we probably should. Uh, how that boosts him, in my opinion, maybe into this role mm-hmm. in that locker room, where uh, which is void of leadership right now in terms of named leadership. And so might even warn him having a, a captain's jersey on. Well, I think the same could be said. From Shad Khan's point of view, not the public's, but Shad Khan's point of view on Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell. You know, they are now, at least at the start line of this, out in front of it. You know, the the op-ed from Shad Khan, but the action by Doug Morone. Doug Marone got a lot of credit last week from players and, and everybody else for listening and how he's handled it. Will they continue to do that? You know, will the steps that are, they're, they're, uh, are being put in place uh, for this movement, how well received that is from the players? You know, mm-hmm. could they go to bat for him and be like, hey, this is a guy we want to go to battle with. Mm. Screw six and ten or whatever else. Now, would Shad Khan be willing to go there? I don't know. Yeah. So it's just an interesting point. Right. Will they I don't know if they'll necessarily get a do over because of the lost off season uh, on the field. I don't think so. To answer your question. okay, But I do wonder if there's a little bit of an intangible going on this season across every organization in the NFL, given the recent stance. From the NFL, Mm -hmm. given the action by players and also uh, front offices and the messaging going on. I just don't know if that's clear cut right now because we don't know how much that will kind of weigh in the season. Right now, it's an out of season thing. Mm -hmm. Will that still be a heavy topic? Will it be conversational? Uh, Will we see leadership uh, and and not so much pay attention to scoreboards in these NFL buildings with players and coaches and, and organizations? That we just don't know that yet. You know, how pre- how prevalent is this topic right here that's in our country uh, in September and October? Uh, you, yeah. you, I mean, you hope it is. You you hope it's a prevalent discussion and conversation. But you also know sports hides things, you know, and people's lives, everything. There's distractions. There'll be an election, by the way, that will take up a lot of uh, conversation. Sure. So it, it'll be interesting to see how it, that factors in. Maybe more so than the, hey, yeah, you get a little do-over because you didn't have uh, OTAs and minicamps.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it, it is going to be interesting to see because, you know, we've kind of broken down the roster a little bit. We've broken down the personnel. And, you know, I think that if if the Jaguars win 6-7, I mean, do I dare say – eight? I think eight games would be – We'd be throwing parades in the streets. You know, like if they can go 500, I think, I mean,
0: that would be just unreal. Because that means you a little teaser. Things. I'm doing something for John Osier and Jaguars.com, and he sure. gave this list of questions. I don't want to steal them. They're good questions, but I'll just mm. say this. I, uh, one of my lines in there is that I think, feel like the ceiling, because I've said it before on this show, is like eight wins for this Jags team. Yeah. I don't think they're as bad as everybody's predicting, but I also don't know if their ceiling is as high as other teams. I would say eight or nine max. But if they were to reach that, I mean, if they reach nine wins somehow, just somehow dream with us for a second. <laughs> uh, Doug Marone would be in the running for coach of the year. Sure. And Gardner Minshew is now the future of this franchise yep. for them to win nine games. Sure. Yeah. Uh, in a so perfect world, road. why not? Thank you very much. It was nicely done. That was done. part of the description when I did write this in, by the <laughs> way. So, so let's go ahead and say more
2: realistically, <laughs> let's say best case scenario, let's win six games. Okay. So the Jaguars win six games. Obviously,
0: you have an owner
2: um, in a front office who is very, very adamant about saying yes. Obviously, maybe we're planning for the future a little bit, letting guys like Calais Campbell go, letting guys like A.J. Boye go. But Shad Khan has said himself that you know they expect to win in 2020 and beyond. So what do you have going against that right now? You have a couple things. Number one, you have a big draft this next year, in 2021. You have a lot of draft capital that obviously Dave Caldwell himself is responsible for. You have the COVID-19, and then you also have, and I don't want to put them in the same boat here, but you have COVID-19, and you've had the fact that you, you have a very young team, the youngest in the NFL, that you couldn't really get your hands on, you know, and kind of shape them around the culture because it's hard to do that during a Zoom call. Now, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks or so. We'll see if guys get on the field, we'll see if guys get in, you know, the locker room and all that stuff, but time will tell. But all we know right now is it's going to be different. Okay. Then we have, you know, everything going on right now with, you know, the the race relations, everything like that. You know, the racial injustice. We have the Jaguars march as a team, you know, set history in the NFL, if you will. Chris Conley says his stuff. Doug Marone kind of leading the charge and everything. So you have that as well. Well, obviously, that right there, in my opinion... Um, that has made the team closer together. It has to. How could it not? Oh, yeah. Right. So that team is closer doing that than, you know, before they actually took part in that protest. So the team's closer now. Obviously, I would say the team respects Doug Marone. I'm not sure, you know, exactly whose idea it was to come forward and have the protest, but it is a big part on Doug Marone to say, you know what, guys, let's do this. Okay. Cause I'm not sure. I mean, and listen, I'm not going to be a naive here, but I'm not sure if every single NFL coach would have agreed to that right now. You know, I, I really don't know. Um, I can't say that wholeheartedly. So props on Doug Marone. Oh, for we know that. they're
0: the only one that said that's done.
2: Yeah, exactly. So you have that as well, you know, and like, listen, it's not right to say, well, you know, Doug Marone did this. Doug Marone helped with the protest. So that's a shame of job security. But like you said, it's not necessarily the job security. It's the locker room going to bat for him, okay? Yeah. Because if Shad Khan's made one thing clear, it's that he's going to listen to his players, okay? Um, you know, Obviously, Clayus Campbell's gone now. Clayus Campbell's a guy that Shad Khan listened to a lot. But I think Shad Khan right now, in order to build the culture for the future and to get those high-priced, those high-value free agents, he has to listen to players, okay? He has to get the players' perspective. So once again, it's going to be a long season. We'll see what happens here. But assuming maybe they go six games, seven games, whatever, I mean, that'll probably come up again, you know, and obviously the players will go to bat for Doug Marone. So I guess what I'm sitting here trying to say is if the Jaguars go six and ten, somehow go seven and nine. I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility where Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell keeps their job just from the entire thing that's going on. Now, not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's the
0: way it is. Well, take away a couple of uh, the other things going on in in the coronavirus pandemic and and the Black Lives Matter movement uh, here. Uh, That has obviously been a big uh, talking point. The Jaguars, from a football-only perspective, we discussed this about a month ago, have maybe the lowest expectation they've ever had in franchise history, the lowest set of expectations. And I'm not talking about from within the building. I'm talking outside. And what does that do? That sets your coach and maybe even your quarterback and your GM and your front office in a very nice situation. Because who else in the NFL can say, hey, if we go eight and eight, this place is almost throwing a parade. Nobody thought they'd go eight and eight. I mean that's just not the way. you start at eight and eight in the NFL. True, but you know, who else is responsible for getting to that point though? That's not but that is a that's fair question. That's a fair critique, but sure. that's not reality. Go. The reality is we do this once a week. Sure. And I stick up for the roster and I stick up for Gardner Minshew and then their publication will come out and say they're 32nd in the league. They're 31st in the league. Okay. They're 30th in the league. Nobody, nobody says they're 8-8. Eight and eight. And so the bottom line is, if they go 8-8 eight and eight on this season, they are going to look like they exceeded expectations by a mile. And all that will do is look good on the coach and the front <laughs> office, man. But you, no. Yes. No, you, you, you know, Brent, how many, how
2: many fan bases right now around the NFL are going to say, you know what, if we go 8-8, eight and eight, probably don't win the division, but if we go 8-8, eight and eight, let's go celebrate. How this many, one. How many, how many, I'm saying how many franchises right now? Not a lot. So what no, that that's what I'm saying. It's so genius. What, how is that genius? It's well, what genius does that say p- about your franchise? Not good. I, I listen.
0: You're asking you, where, the discussion think, is job security you, right now. From a job th- security standpoint, if I have to just go eight and eight, and it looks like I've overachieved by a mile, do you think that's great? Do you think if the
2: Browns go eight and eight, they're gonna be celebrating in Cleveland saying, "Yes, we finally went eight and eight. We went five the
0: Perception is they've got maybe one of the best offenses in the league, and this is their year to do something. Brent, it's totally different I'm perception saying, and man. expectation. I'm just
2: saying, if you're gonna celebrate going eight and eight this year, then you have a loser mentality.
0: So congratulations, congratulations, on
2: having a loser mentality.
0: I, I think you're missing the point here. I, I think I th- you're missing the point. No. You're not, no. You, again, tell me what you just told me the best case scenario you could see is the Jaguars getting seven wins. Correct. That's their ceiling. Absolutely. So I'm saying if they go eight and eight, that's even way more. Ex- ex- you're you're going to be like, dang, Doug, you did
2: a great job with this team. You still ain't winning a division. What, what is the goal of an NFL team? Are we trying to win
0: divisions here or are we trying to go eight and eight? <laughs> it's. Oh, I know we're trying. No, we're trying to win Super Bowls. Okay. That's what you're trying to do. Sure. But you're you're talking about two different things now because I understand what the goal is. I, I also under the question is job security. Like, what's it take to get Doug Marone back? What's it take to feel like this thing's going in the right direction? And I'm telling you that if if we sit here in late December and say, "Dang." They went eight and eight this year, man. Nobody expected that. I mean, this is in a good position. Like we, they've got all these draft picks. They've got all this cap space. Look at the young C. Look at Miles Jack the way he played, and DJ Chark did it again. And Gardner looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. I mean, look what they did. You're going to be bullish on the Jags at eight and eight. You're not going to be disappointed. <laughs> I I see where you're coming from, but once again, if you're
2: celebrating a team going eight and eight, and once again, I mean, let's I'm not sure what the Vegas odds are right now. The Jaguars going eight and eight, they're over unders four and a half, whatever it is. Okay, but the, the, the fact right now that we're talking about going 500 should deserve a celebration. Maybe it's time to ask the question: Why are we here in the first place? Maybe it's time to ask the question: Is that what we should really be celebrating, and what
0: got us here? I, I do think uh, that's probably that's that's fair, but it's two different topics. Uh, we're celebrating maybe the job Doug marone did. Uh, and that different than where you are as an organization relative to the rest of the league.
2: I mean, and I'm going to argue that the head coach has a lot to do with where the organization's going to be in the, in the past couple of years.
0: It's no different than, hey, Coos, you follow the NBA a bunch, right? So in the Sixers, right, when they rebuilt that thing, somewhere along the way, right, they when we were trusting the process. Yes, but when you were trusting the process, the fans in Philly were okay with when you got to 500, whatever year that was, year 2 or 3 of the of the process stuff. And well, now it's the flip side. Now it's low, you're not living up to expectations. But in Philly, they were like, okay, this thing's going the right I can see this. We got all this young talent. We got this. We got 500s five hundred that. But you're, you're right. right, you know what? They didn't make the playoffs. What's the difference? But don't lie
2: to yourself, man. The whole trust your process slogan, that was built on a joke. Like, they kept on saying trust the process as a joke. It was a hashtag that said trust the process. Okay, well, here we are. Five years later, trust oh, yeah. the process. Okay, trust the Okay, I'll give the you process. the Atlanta
0: Braves In The Atlanta Braves ripped down their team. They win whatever many games, and the fans in Atlanta are like, oh my gosh, here we go again. By year two, they start winning a little bit, and they're like, I can see this starting to happen a little bit. They're not, they're exceeding, ex- they won more games that next year. This thing's faster and going in the right direction, even though we didn't win the division, even though we didn't go the playoffs even though we didn't win a world series even though that's the ultimate goal that's my point like it's on the right track is an fan bases will celebrate on the right track you you you're kidding yourself if they don't i mean i i give i just gave you two examples i can give you countless more i guess
2: i mean you can celebrate being on the right track all you want but once again you have to ask yourself how you got there Okay, like if you okay eight and eight, yeah, that be that be a productive season. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. I'm saying right now, realistically, if the Jaguars win six games, that might exceed expectations. And I'm saying that if they win six games, and people are excited about it, people are happy about it, then you have a loser's mentality because you should you should never be excited for winning six games in a season. I don't care what the kind of roster you have. I guarantee right now, upon Jacksonville, maybe Miami, Cincinnati, Washington. Washington. Washington, four teams. I, I think four teams. Right. Well, you know what? No, take that back because I think Miami wants to win games this year. Well, they I mean, won
1: five last yeah, year. Yeah.
2: So take Miami out of it. So let's go Washington, let's go Cincinnati, and Jacksonville. Okay? If any of those guys wins eight games, it'll be a great season for them. I get that. More realistically, those six games, those are the only teams right now in the NFL that would
0: be pretty ticked off if that happened. I, I think you're right. Uh, by the way, I don't think six would be good enough to get – us feeling the way I'm saying. Okay, I, I think you need at least seven, but I really think eight is the number. I think you've got to go 500 to say, wow, man, they, they this team might have a chance to do something now. Look at these draft picks. Look at the cap. Look at the way Gardner played. Look at some of the young... Because the young talent then obviously rose to the top, right? LaVisca yeah. Chenal, he played well if, if you got to eight and eight. And I think people would be applauding Doug Marone. I mean, I, that's that's really the, the moral of this story and this conversation. Whether it's right or wrong, I don't know, but it would be probably like the fourth best record in the last twelve years too if the Jacks won eight games. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean or maybe even like the third best. Yeah. Right? I mean no, I, th- for sure, I think sure. it would. It would tie your two thousand and ten team as the second best. Sure. Yep. No, I agree there, but, but so I'm not saying it's right. Yeah. But it's reality. <laughs> no, expectations your are so low Listen,
2: If the Jaguars go 8-8, eight eight, yes, Doug Marone will keep his job If the Jaguars go 8-8, eight eight, should Jaguars fans be excited? Go ahead, have a celebration Do whatever you want to do But I'm just saying, the fact that the bar is so low right now That we're celebrating The the, 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 the Chicago Bears went 8-8 eight eight last year They're in they're a riot they're ready to fire Ryan Pace right now. This at Mr. Trubisky. we'll see you later. Leonard Floyd. thanks for playing. Have fun. Hit the road. Let's go and bring in Nick Foles. Let's go and turn this whole thing around because 8-8 eight eight for the Chicago Bears is not acceptable. And you know what? Have you seen their roster? Nah. But guess what? It's the Chicago Bears. They're used to winning. 8-8, eight eight, not acceptable. Even the Pittsburgh Steelers, through all that they had, they they had Big Ben go down. Schmidt suster gets hurt. James Conner gets hurt. They go 8-8. Eight 8 eight's not acceptable for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know why? Because they're accustomed to winning. So all I'm saying is, yes, I understand. Jacksonville Jaguars fans right now, if your team wins uh, 8 wins this season, celebrate, do your thing. But I'm just saying... You gotta snap out of it a little bit, okay? It's it's okay to ask for more. It's okay to ask for the playoffs. It's okay to ask for the Super Bowl. That's what you're supposed to be doing.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, they'll do that in 2021 if they go eight. <laughs> hey, when we come back, let's uh stay on the Jags for a bit because there was a fun tweet out there that got me thinking a little bit. Uh, I'll share it with you and, and see if the Jags want to have any of these players or kind of players or groups that you would sign up for, uh, or two. Kind of what's the player you would look for if you were the Jacksonville Jaguars to change things, kind of change what we're talking about? I'll give you the full context of it when we come back. Actions for shacks on ESPN 69. It has been a difficult time for our country, in
2: particular, black people in our country. First, my condolences to the families of George
0: Floyd, Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and all the families who have endured police brutality. We, the National Football League, condemn racism and the systematic oppression of black people. We, the national football league admit we were wrong for not listening to NFL players earlier and encourage all to speak out and peacefully protest. That is commissioner Roger Goodell late on Friday night, right after our show, really. Uh, Some people say Friday news drop, uh, whatever it is, it got out there. It doesn't matter. You weren't hiding that statement uh, from commissioner Roger Goodell. And uh, the strongest words on racial injustice, social injustice we've seen from the league ever, I would say. Uh, well, and it's kind of back wrong
2: in because the 60s, but. Friday I talked about how Roger Goodell should come out and say something. Yeah. And literally a couple hours later, he did.
0: What was your reaction as a former player in the league, yeah. uh, as a black man, uh, as you know, we had these heavy discussions all week long mm-hmm. about leadership and, and applauded the Jags organization and Shad Khan. We wondered if Shad Khan would say something that he did. And it was very well done. Uh We wondered if the NFL would say something. The initial statement was, by many respects, weak. And this one came back and and certainly had more punch. Mm -hmm. What was your reaction to it? Um. So, kind
2: of to sum up everything, basically the whole week, the whole weekend.
0: No, what, what just, I thought, just, just the Goodell statement. We'll Goodell get statement. into okay. the whole thing and what it means with Breeze okay. and everything else a little bit later. Yeah, but I mean, just, just listen, quick on I'll
2: it. be I'll be fair, and if you read the story behind the whole Goodell statement, yeah. it, it's insane because what it involved really is a rogue, uh, you know, a rogue employee that works for, I believe, like the NFL offices that kinda took it upon himself to reach out to players and once again kinda went against uh, you know the, the you know the the, the, the statement the, the company statement saying you can't reach out to players by yourself. There's kind of a chain of command you have to go through. Well this rogue employee said, No thanks, I'm gonna do my own thing and went behind the NFL's back, um kind of sent some DMs to some certain amount of players like Michael Thomas and he got positive reaction. All of a sudden, those players started voicing their concerns. They posted their videos and it just grew and grew and grew to the point where Roger Goodell saw this is like, yeah, I have to say something. So it's, it's insane to me that just one person, one person in an NFL office that nobody knows his name has never really made a, you know, let's be honest, a, a splash or a ripple really in the, in the whole landscape of the NFL when it took it upon himself to reach out to players and to kind of cause this initiative. And now look what it's become. And um, obviously, I was shocked when Roger Goodell said something, especially because keep in mind, and I know we don't really get political on the show, but you know, d- Donald Trump kind of mentioned about Drew Brees a little bit, and yeah. he spoke his piece like two hours before, exactly. And then a little later, then here comes Roger Goodell, this and it really counters done they exactly.
0: Just shared it later,
2: but then this video gets released from Roger Goodell, and it really kind of counters what Donald Trump was trying to say. So. um you know, it's a lot to digest right now, but I was just overall I was shocked that Roger Goodell actually said something.
0: Yeah, it was um, – I, I think it was strong. It was well done. You need communication, and now we'll see if they act – if what's re- really interesting – again, we'll talk about how it all came together a little bit later. I want to get some football stuff right now, and then we'll, we'll have some of those conversations about Drew Brees, what transpired over a 72-hour period. But this social media person, if you will, <laughs> with the NFL that did go rogue, he will be a great – Footnote of the story. Someday down the road, if there is significant change in the NFL, and, and we just saw a huge pivot, um, not only in our country, but again, in, in that sports organization. We'll have to see. Okay, we'll have to see what happens. But 10 years from now, 20 years from now, there's always these unsung heroes in movements, you know, and when there is change. And uh, this young man could certainly be that. It's a fascinating story. So we'll get into it. Uh, we're talking some football right now. Uh, ESPN did this and at least put it out there today that I saw, and it's fascinating. They picked 128 players. They called them foundational players Mm -hmm. to win a Super Bowl in a handful of years. So you scrap your team. You're you're a GM, and you're saying, I want these four players, and you go through a four-round draft, say, this is what I'm starting with to hopefully win a Super Bowl in five years. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah, it's awesome. No surprise, like guys near the top of the list, like a guy like Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Youth matters, but maybe isn't everything, depending on how you feel about guys like Aaron Rodgers and others. And uh, Mike DiRocco, uh from ESPN, uh, he covers the Jaguars here, and he picked for the Jags. Mm-hmm. And I guess the reviews were really good. Right, Mike yeah. Clay is the guy that kind of reviewed everybody's picks. Mike and, Clay said he had probably the best draft of any team, which is interesting. Um, I, I didn't know he'd get that kind of reception for it. But here's what uh, Mike picked: Dak Prescott at QB at number nine. They were picking ninth overall in this draft. Yep. Uh, Daniel Hunter uh, from Minnesota, defensive end. Mm-hmm. Juju Smith-Schuster at wide receiver in the third round, and Marshawn Lattimore uh, in round number four. You like him? Um, yeah, so, you know, obviously, the one that sticks out right away is Dak Prescott. Okay,
2: because Dak Prescott, I mean, age wise, he's right in that wheelhouse. It's right, he's the guy that you want to build your team. I make an argument and say that is Dak Prescott a product of one of the best offensive lines in the NFL? Is Dak Prescott the product of having the best, one of the best running games in the entire NFL? And is Dak Prescott really the product of having a pretty solid wide receiving core? Maybe, you know, so to me, the Dak Prescott pick is a little, um, it's a little ambitious. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong because, once again, he's, he's on the younger side, but can you, do you feel confident in saying that you can build a team around Dak Prescott? You take away that offensive line, you take away that running game, you take away those wide receivers and just have, uh, Dak Prescott by himself. How confident are you? And I think you'd probably raise the flag a little bit and be, be you know, raise that question mark. A guy that could have been taken in that spot is Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers went number 12 or number 11, if I'm not mistaken. Aaron Rodgers is what, 36 years old right now, Brent? Yeah. Aaron Rodgers obviously is up there in age. He's 36 years old. But I see a guy like Tom Brady. Tom Brady's 41, okay? And he just won a Super Bowl a couple years ago. So, And you know how I feel about Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers. I think overall, um, with quarterback play, I think, yes, Tom Brady will always be the GOAT. But you put Aaron Rodgers in any single football team, and they're immediately better. So I probably would have took the risk. And me be honest, it's a risk because, once again, Aaron Rodgers is up there in age. Hopefully you have a good offensive line to help him out. But I probably would have took Aaron Rodgers over Dak Prescott.
0: Yeah, It's an interesting call, by the way. Patrick Mahomes goes number one to Cincy. Russell Wilson, they use a draft order from this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two to Washington. Lamar Jackson, a lot of quarterbacks, of course, right? Deshaun Watson, Aaron Donald, Donald to Miami at number five. Defensive tackle, yeah. I mean, Pick number one. I mean, I mean, listen Low to win a Super Bowl. Listen, I mean, he's been there and he's been <laughs> unbelievable, by the way. And they haven't won a Super Bowl. Now they got there once, of course. And listen, you know, how I feel about the defensive line. Brent
2: can't get enough of it. And Aaron Donald's obviously really a once in a generational type player. The guy's an absolute game wrecker. But if we're talking about building a team from the ground up, and you can have your tr- chance at any player in the NFL, you better believe that first round is going to be a guy that has his hand on the ball. You know. Every single rep, okay? And I'm talking about the quarterback position. Nothing against Aaron Donald. The, the the guy's an absolute stud. But let's be honest. I mean, there's only so much impact that a defensive tackle can make.
0: Uh, just a couple other names and notes. Uh, Chargers went with a tackle. Ron Lee, Ronnie Stanley. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was the only tackle, I think, in this first round taken. Uh, and not a lot of tackles were even taken overall. Uh, you know, Breeze is in here. Joey Bosa. uh, Bosa. Nick Bosa. I uh, got some brothers in the top 10 there, uh, Nick and Joey Bosa. Uh, Joe Burrow, rookie at Indianapolis uh, mm-hmm. with 13. Even Brady at 40-something years old in there for Tampa. Well, yeah. So they said, and, okay, hey, we got that
2: guy. Hey, hey, and once again, don't want to call her out, but do you know who took Brady? General Lane. Jeez. so hey just saying when it comes to draft you know fantasy draft and all this stuff i i'm staying clear from Jenna Williams, That's all i'm gonna say <laughs> because we
0: know how the oj howard pick for me went last year all right so anyway so the, those are some of the examples heavy quarterbacks some playmakers yeah. at wide receiver as well uh were picked and what's interesting to me is i i i I thought about this, and I was like, oh, I'm going to take this in a bunch of different directions, because mm-hmm. this is wild. And coming up in just a moment, I'm going to ask you, do the Jags have any of these kind of pieces, right? Over 128 players across the NFL, do they have any of those kind of guys?
2: Well, uh, let's just say it like this. If you were to build a team right now in the Jacksville Jaguars, who would you start with? Like, if you could take one guy from this team to build the team for the next
0: 10 years or so, who are you taking? It's a great question. I think for pl- position of importance, I would sure. start with Josh Allen. Sure. But I mean, that I think that's a question to ask. That here. is the question, yeah, right? Yeah. And and again, I mean, how how do you feel about a guy like Gardner Minshew in all these kind of conversations? For instance, Matthew Stafford's in here. Tua is in here. I mean. Those aren't like slam-dunk guys that, hey, I'm going to win a Super Bowl with. I mean, Stafford's put up some great numbers, but he's hardly won in the NFL. Correct. Tua, we have no idea what he's going to be in the NFL. I think DJ Chark, when you're talking about receivers, would – I'm not saying you go in the first round. We're talking about 128 players, though. Mm-hmm. Could they get in those conversations? And, of course, Kyler Murray's in here for Dallas at number 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Has to be. Yeah. Uh, so but, – but anyway, I want to go over that exercise with the Jags in just a moment. A different part of this, which caught my attention – like, say, Mike's uh, example. He picked quarterback, he picked defensive end, he picked wide receiver, he picked corner. Mm-hmm. Well, for the longest time in the NFL now, it was quarterback, left tackle, defensive end, and in recent years, because of the past happy NFL, cornerback slid into there yeah. as the top four positions that you better have a stud at, yep. right? You want to be secure at. Yeah. So, Mike went after three of those four. He chose wide receiver over left tackle, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so left kept the left tackle up my question to you is Is it still that way is it is left tackle of premium importance is do you have to have a laramie tunsel uh do you do you invest in a guy like that or is it more uh to have a a stud wide receiver or at least someone that you really like
2: yeah and listen man um and koo's gonna test this because koo sits me in the play but the yeah the press box every sunday when we're covering the jaguars games d rock's right next to me man you're right so so we're always talking everything and i absolutely love the dude I would disagree with Schmidt Schuster, okay, because I'm not sold yet on Schmish Schuster being a number one receiver okay? His best year came when he had Antonio Brown taking away the double coverage, and Smith Schuster was in the slot, um, you know, and he kind of was the unforgotten guy. When it was his time to shine this past season, now, and I get it, injuries were a factor, I get it, quarterbacks were a factor, because Big Ben got hurt, but we're still not sure if Smith Schuster is that bona fide one receiver going forward. I understand, the guy's got the Pizza Hut commercials, you know, he's doing the Fortnite dances, I love it, but is he going to be that guy? I'm not sure yet. So, from, from D-Rock's pick right there, I would have switched Mitch Schuster around, and this is crazy that I'm saying this because it's funny. Uh, I'm about to probably take a lot of people off here, but I'd probably go Josh Jacobs. Okay? And, and, yeah. and I get it. Running back. Oh, running back. They're a dime a dozen. You can get them wherever you can get them. Like, I understand that, but there is something to be said for a running back that can pound the rock number one, but also catch the ball number two, a la Christian McCaffrey, a la Saquon Barkley. Now, is Josh Jacobs to that level yet? Absolutely not. But I'm just saying, with Josh Jacobs and his versatility, it's almost like you're adding a running back and a wide receiver because he could do so much.
0: Well, and by the way, in this exercise, you only need him for five years. You're not talking about an eight- to ten-year player at running back, so running back is an okay investment.
2: Yeah, so then that's why I would go uh, as opposed to why probably wide receiver and was running back.
0: Okay, so what's really interesting here is as I go down all the lists and just to double check and make sure I see one Jags player so far, unless I missed one and that is Yannick Ngakwe picked in the second round by the Giants mm-hmm. to help build their winner. I've seen a couple of former Jags like Allen Robinson and Dante Fowler Jr. Dante Fowler Jr.? Well, and you saw you said Yannick Ngakoue, right? Yeah, Yann yeah, yeah, was, yeah. was in the second round. second round. Dante was in the fourth round. Where was Josh Allen? Just curious. I don't see him. Interesting. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. J- oh, here's another former jag, Jalen Ramsey. <laughs> Where was he? At? Uh, he was in the second round okay. by the Seattle Seahawks. Of course. Uh, no surprise there. That'd be a good fit, <laughs> you know, with their defense. But uh, yeah, I don't see. I saw Josh Allen, the quarterback. Are you sure it wasn't a defensive end? I'm kidding. But it might have been. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I saw Josh Allen. The I I, I think it was the quarterback. Mm -hmm. So that brings us to the other side of it. The Jags basically had one player, and he might be on his way out. And Yannick Ngakwe Mm -hmm. on this list of 128 players in the NFL is the roster that bad, or are people missing somebody? Missing some folks. Josh Allen. By the way, you could take Josh Allen or Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, I think both should be on this list. Really, mm-hmm. if I'm building a team at well, that premium at position at Josh I, Allen's age. Honest question. Both ages, really. They're both under twenty five.
1: For it would be interesting, and it might be more of a you know a deep dive on it. But what team has the most players on it? On that list, you know what I mean.
0: I don't know if they broke them up that way. It's a good call. I yeah. I don't. Uh, I'd have to do some research on that. <laughs> I I don't know the answer. It's gonna take like some man hours. Um, I wouldn't be surprised though if I mean the Kansas City's and I I would be surprised if like the Chargers had had the most players. Mm-hmm. Ravens, right? Lamar Jackson already said Ronnie Stanley. Yeah. Uh, you know those kind of guys are on there. So. uh I don't know. I don't know the answer. To your yeah, question. I'd probably say the Chiefs. I mean, in in terms of
2: longevity, in terms of youth, right now, the, the Chiefs stick out to me for sure. Because you think like every one of their wide receivers is a weapon. It seems like so. I'd probably say the Chiefs.
0: Uh, so so anyway, my my point being, who are they missing? Should DJ Chark be on this list in in the top 128 players? Yeah. If you were drafting four rounds across the league, uh, if you redrafted, <sighs> yeah. Should uh, Gardner Mitch be on the mm-hmm. list? Um. I think I – mean, I mean, Josh Allen's on the list. Yeah. You know, Kyla Murray's on the list. I, I get it. Uh, this isn't me, uh, Murray and, and Manchu. I'm just well, saying didn't, you have young guys on the list. And didn't Daniel Jones go in second round, if I remember correctly, from from the Giants? I think he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
2: um, who are they missing?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, is Miles Jack, but it's a linebacker spot, I right? You're not going to well, see too listen, many
2: linebackers on this list. DJ Chark, in terms of youth, in terms of productivity, in terms of being a pro bowl last year, deserves to be on this list, okay? I mean, heck, and maybe I'm crazy, man, but to me, DJ Chark, uh, Smith-Schuster, I get it, Smith-Schuster, there's a lot of hype around him, but I don't think he's delivered so far, Brent. So is it out of the realm of possibility to say, well, maybe if you're, the, if you're Duraco here, do you take DJ Chark right now instead of Smith-Schuster? I'm I'm probably wouldn't be upset with that. So, yeah, I think DJ Chark is definitely missing on this list.
0: All right, I I really like that where you were going with that exercise because that's what I want to ask D. Rock mm-hmm. pick, picked Prescott. How much better is Prescott than having Gardner Minshew at quarterback this year?
2: Right now, like if you had yeah. Dak Prescott, I mean. Uh, yeah, the, I understand know, the, the yeah, resume's yeah. better.
0: There's more proven. I get it. There's going to be how,
2: experience. I mean, but in terms of winning game You didn't game. love the Prescott pick anyway. I didn't. I didn't. But, like, if you're asking me... Is it going to be a difference between winning two more games or not? I don't think so. I don't think Dak Prescott can come to the Jacksonville Jaguars right now and cure everything. Uh, I just don't see that. I don't think he's like, yes, he's an adequate quarterback, and he might even be a good quarterback. But I can't just see a good quarterback coming here and changing everything. I really can't because let's be honest. We're talking about how Garner Minshew could take the next climb. Minshew's numbers last year were great. Okay, Minshew had some really strong numbers last year. If he improves on those numbers – we're still talking about maybe winning
0: six, seven games at the, at the very most. So I don't think Dak Prescott could come in and change the so whole I'll thing. So I'll take you to the second pick then, mm-hmm. Daniel Hunter. Mm-hmm. If Josh Allen and Yannick Ngakwe and, and Chase Calavon Chase on, on this team. Yeah. I mean, I mean do, do you is that a wash? I mean, is that a wash <laughs> Have Al I mean, is Hunter that much better? I don't watch Hunter day in, day out. Hunter's good, man. I know he's
2: good. I mean, watch the if, if listen, the reason why the Vikings went in to the Superdome and absolutely just dominated Drew Brees. How a lot to do with Daniel Hunter? Okay. Now, would it would it be overkill to bring Daniel Hunter here on this team? Well, you better believe it. Now, would I absolutely, um, you know, be foaming at the mouth because of that? Yeah. Because could you imagine? Could you imagine Chase on Yannick Ngakwe, Daniel Hunter, and then Josh Allen? But
0: but, but it wouldn't be that way. I guess my question is: w- How much of an upgrade would Hunter be rather than having an Allen or rather oh, than Ngakwe? Okay. I'll leave Chase on out of this because he's a rookie. Sure, but, but Allen or or Ngakwe, I'm I'm trying to measure what the Jaguars have versus what they could have. So and, okay, so to me. I mean, it it could be a little
2: upgrade right now with where Josh Allen's at, right? Because Josh Allen's going into his second year, he's, there's still a lot to learn, right? He still yeah. has to perfect but his pass rush moves is for five years to win a yeah. title. So my point is, it'd probably be a wash right now because Josh Allen and Hunter are really kind of the same guy. Yannick Ngakwe is a little more of the smaller guy and more of that speed rusher guy. Then Hunter says he, I think he weighs like it says he weighs like 260 pounds. No. I mean, either bigger than that, either right? he's trying to get the muscle and fitness and he's trying to lie about getting on the front page or something, but no, he weighs more than that, and he's a guy that can kind of play a 3-4 outside linebacker in a 4-3 a defensive end, a lot like Josh Allen, if you will. So with that being said, I would probably say it's a wash between him and Josh Allen.
0: Okay, and then you already said Juju Smith-Schuster, who would yeah. be picked. You wouldn't mind DJ Chark in, in, in that spot. From, from what I know right now. Now, yeah. once
2: again, the, the, the sample size of Smith-Schuster may not be fair because last year he didn't really have a quarterback throwing him True. the ball, and he had injuries. last year so it's really hard to tell what smith schuster can bring to the table but i think right now with dj chark you know and grew and saying he's gonna go in the slot and everything
0: just like smith schuster does i'm not mad at it and then the last one was Lattimore. whoa and he's fantastic come on what's interesting is the jags had that Mm -hmm. they had ramsey right and and i'm not going to go with that revisionist history stuff and and say okay they should have kept them and but it's it's interesting on this list. They had Allen Robinson receiver spot. They had uh Ramsey, who was picked in this 128. They have Yannick Ngakwe, although he might be on his way out. Mm-hmm. And you know, so all these players that they did have, I guess the gamble here is if you're looking at the next five years, can C.J. Henderson become that? Mm-hmm. Can he become at least close to that? I don't know if he'll be as elite as Latimore is, but can he be that guy? And, and so the the point in that exercise for me is. If you're building a team for the next five years, if you, the wishful thinking in this exercise from ESPN was, Hey, go get Lattimore. Well, Jags have CJ Henderson. Go get Sh- Juju Smith Schuster. Well, they have DJ Chark. Go get Daniel Hunter. Well, they have Josh Allen and quite frankly, Yannick and too. And, and Chase on now. Mm-hmm. Go get Dak Prescott. Well, they have Minshew. And obviously, I think there is the biggest separation and curiosity because Prescott's been able to do it now for a few years in the league, and we really have too small of a sample to know on Minshew. Both six-round picks, though. Uh, not Prescott was fourth. Oh, round I'm pick. sorry. Yeah. My bad. Fourth but, round. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. The <laughs> So it's pretty wild. Yeah. I, I mean, and so that will then go into my next question. What do the Jags have that make you say, we can build around this? Mm-hmm. And go forward and try to bring a Super Bowl in the next five years. Because as we talked about in the first part of this show, expectations are low. And you said loser's mentality if you think 8-8 eight and eight is, is a good season. Well, I get it. But the idea is to win a Lombardi trophy. Correct. And every team should have an expectation to to win a Lombardi trophy within a five-year period. Mm-hmm. Every team. I mean, then if you, if you don't do that, if you don't think you can win within five years, well, then you're really screwing things up. Uh, and... I would think the Jaguars, I've said by the next, by this time next year, will go into 2021 saying, Hey, we should be able to make some noise. Mm. Uh, I don't know if they feel like Lombardi noise, but I think next year they want to put themselves in a position with all those draft picks with more uh, cap space and with this young core that they have to make noise. How do you feel about what they have as a young core with the guys we just mentioned to say, All right, if you make the right decisions, You can make this a Super Bowl caliber roster in a couple years going forward and and, and maybe win one in the next five.
2: Three guys in terms of youth that I'm intrigued by that you can, I think, build a team around probably right now in order. And once again, this is just my, what I'm intrigued by, top guy, Josh Allen, number one, number two, Juwan Taylor. And then obviously I'm going to go on the limb here and and I'm going to throw the wild card, but Gardner Minshew. Those are the three guys.
0: Oh, no, I'm sorry. My bad. Not Minshew. DJ Chark. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My bad, Chark. Yeah. Yeah. And then Minshew, a wild card. Do you feel at this stage, Chark and Allen, although they've done it just for one year, and I know Chark's going into his third year. But are they proven enough to you? Like, are you relying on this year in, year out, thousand yard season for DJ, uh, 10 sacks season for Josh Allen? I'm not even saying, hey, get to 15 and get the 14 touchdown catches for Chark. I'm saying, can you rely on that? Do you feel good about that, even though it's really just been a one year sample? Yeah, I mean, I feel great about Josh Allen making progress because
2: once again, his rookie year, um, you know, made the Pro Bowl and everything, had over 10 sacks. And a lot of those sacks came from just his freak athleticism, um, his strength and his speed, which should not be fair in the NFL. Like when you get to the NFL it should all be about technique and cleaning up everything. And granted, I mean he did a little bit of that as well, but he just uses athleticism, his size and his strength to get those sacks. Now, once he cleans everything up and starts developing the pass and things like that, I think he's unstoppable. So to me, from you know, the clean slate that I saw in Josh Allen this past season. And to the potential that he has once he cleans up his pass rush skill set, I mean it's it's going to be, it could be all pro. It could be a Khalil Mack, Von Miller s type of player. So, yeah, so Josh Allen, for sure. Juwan Taylor, it's a little difficult, right, because he's an yeah. offensive tackle and you don't really have any, any stats to go off of. I just go off of what I see, okay? I see tenacity. I see a guy that's not afraid. Um, I see a guy who can be even like a vocal leader, you know, just plays with that chip on his shoulder, kind of like that prototypical right tackle. And I understand, like, I think sometimes the right tackle – they, they lose a little shine because, well, it's not the glorified left tackle. You're not, you know, you're not protecting the quarterback's blind side. I don't care. I think, um, if you have a genuine, legit right tackle, you can do a lot of things well. And I think Juwan Taylor, if he cleans up some stuff in the past game, if he works on that footwork a little more, it can be like
0: that. Pro Bowl, maybe an all-pro type player. It's interesting, right? Because if you look at it in that respect, and, and again, you're talking about more drafts ahead and, and uh, more uh, free agent additions. I don't know how many you need to feel good about your roster. But I would say offensively, DJ Shark and Juwan Taylor, any GM in the league would walk in here and say, I really feel good about that. Mm-hmm. And I think they would also, you could throw in Linder, even though he's not young. You can play that position for a long time. And I think he's played it pretty well. Mm. You think, is that fair? I think it's fair.
2: Uh, I guess it comes down to the question of if you're trying to build a team, how important is the center compared to the tackle?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, good enough. Uh, obviously, left tackle, you can't do that with. But so I just gave you a few players. On defense, you mentioned Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I still think they have something that nobody else has in the league because they have Allen right now, they have Ngakwe, and they have Chase on. Mm-hmm. And nobody has that in the NFL. Nobody. Not the team. And that's an important position. I think one of the big keys, Henderson will be a really big key here. That at first, that top 10 pick mm-hmm. will be very important. And I think one of the big ones is Miles Jack. Hmm. I really believe they gave him $56 million or 50 something million dollars, man. He has got to be a star. Like I'm waiting for him to be a star. If you look at him and I understand it's a linebacker spot, it's not as critical a position, but you need more stars. And he'd give you a star at that level. Sure. Could Joe Schobert be it? Fine. I'll are the one. Let either one, I just feel like there's more star potential with with Miles, sure. and we just haven't seen it yet. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, there. If I if that's the case, you take five or six guys, I think a lot of GMs would sign up for that, going into next year with cap space and also draft picks. Yeah. If you got five years to win, and obviously the key is, what are you going to do at QB? What of course, QB? That's the biggest question. Uh, well, interesting exercise there. Uh, maybe the Jags aren't as in bad shape, as some might think, at least moving forward, if you take the next handful of years in consideration. When we come back, uh, the NFL commissioner, Drew Brees, Shaq, how they all came together in an odd way in the last few days. Next on ESPN 690.